Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Dusty Baker locked in for another year. They're going to try to run it back with the veteran skipper in H-Town. What about the GM? And what about JV? We'll have to wait to find those questions out later today. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3, five minutes after six o'clock on this glorious Thursday morning. We got a good show lined up for you today. Could be borderline great. All depends on not the efforts of the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. No, we know she's going to deliver because it's her birthday. Yo! Happy birthday to Miss Hannah Five Names. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. You know she's going to deliver it. She's going to be joyous. Already thinking about the chicken spaghetti she's going to be making later on today, as we discussed yesterday. So we're going to have probably a great show. So you're going to have to stay tuned for the entire three hours. It just makes sense. What we got lined up for you today, Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He's going to join us, talk about the weekend slate of gains, how to bet them. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com will join us then at 8 o'clock. Recap the Pelicans' win last night on the road against the Chicago Bulls. Look ahead for the Saints. Can they get on track against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Another team that is just woeful. Head coach Gary Goff of the McNeese Cowboys will join us for Giddy Up with Gary Goff. Also in the 8 o'clock hour. And then Bill Bender, reporter, columnist, covering college football for the Sporting News, will join us to talk all things of course, college football. So that's our lineup for this morning. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. You know that. Heck, if you just want to call the show to wish Hannah Five Names happy birthday, let's make it happen. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. And we're going to get to the Saints this hour, the Pelicans this hour as well. But I want to start off with the Astros. They make it official. Dusty Baker's coming back on a one-year deal. Made the announcement yesterday. Now, this isn't all that surprising. Dusty had been talking about this throughout the season and throughout the postseason about running it back. And let's just do it again. And this makes a lot of sense because if you look at this team and how they're built, they're a World Series contender in 2023. Of course, barring injury, that's always the big disclaimer on these things. 
But you bring back Dusty Baker now. You have the majority of your core already signed. You already have Lance McCullers Jr. You already have Jose Arquiti, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier. You already have those guys locked up. Brian Presley, yep. Stanek, yep. They have a majority of their pitching staff already coming back. Their lineup, Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Jeremy Pena, Kyle Tucker. Yeah, they're locked up as well. So if you're Dusty Baker and you finally just break through and win your first World Series championship, kind of the cherry on top for your career, and you got that team coming back with those key players, those great players, why wouldn't you want to come back? Honestly. Now, the big question mark for the Astros is, can they bring back JV? Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros, spoke about this yesterday said they're doing their best to bring back Verlander. That is their number one initiative, is to bring back JV. Now, they have until 4 p.m. today, Thursday, to get a deal done before he becomes a free agent and can go explore all of his options. Now, he has a player option worth 25 mil for 2023 that he can decide to opt into. What I'm being told by people that I trust is that Verlander is looking for a three- to four-year deal. So that's what the Astros are working on, a three- to four-year deal. He doesn't want to opt in just for the last year. He wants to have some more financial security. He wants to have last great deal that he can get at the age of 39. Now, he's already expressed that he wants to pitch until he's 44, 45 years old. And if you're the Astros, as we've talked about throughout this week, they have the money because they've been so smart with their free agent deals and re-signing their own guys that they've gotten their own players to re-sign long-term deals that are really 20 to 25, maybe in some instances 30% less than what they could have gotten on an open market. But they get the guys to buy in to sign in because they want to keep the core together because they want to be able to win multiple championships. Verlander now has won two World Series titles with the Strohs. He's going to win another Cy Young Award. He's 39. They love Houston. His wife loves being in Houston. I feel like there's going to be... I didn't think this way two months ago. But it feels like the Strohs are going to try to keep Verlander. And it may be one of those situations where it's a three-year deal with a fourth-year buy-in, opt-in for Verlander. And that gives the Astros some flexibility on the back end. But I've been told that getting JV back is the top priority. And for a team that's had the most 
postseason game since 2015, which is the Astros. They've been in 92 of them. Next on that list is the Dodgers. They have some other decisions that have to be made. They still have to figure out the James Click contract. Technically, he doesn't have a contract, by the way. That contract expired on October 31st. But we already talked about first baseman Trey Mancini, who made a great defensive play in the World Series but couldn't hit in the postseason. They declined his option. They also declined the option of relief pitcher Will Smith. Those guys both became free agents. So, what did they do? They got to figure it out with who their GM is going to be. Is it going to be Click or is it going to be somebody else that they can bring in? But they're going to have to make some other minor moves. If Even if they can get JV, they got all the other guys as part of that rotation. I know they're working on Montero. That's been talked about a lot. So they're going to lose a few pieces of the World Series team. Every World Series team does. But they also need to add a couple of other options, right? Michael Brantley Jr., don't know if he's going to come back. Doesn't look like he's going to coming off the injury. You could use another power-hitting outfielder. That way, Alvarez wouldn't have to play left field. He's not that comfortable playing in the outfield. He does it. So they can maximize their lineup, but you would like to have another power hitting outfielder out there, mainly in left field. That way it would let Alvarez just be DH. That way he doesn't have to have any wear and tear and get injured, the big slugger. Also, first baseman wouldn't hurt. You tried to make that move for Trey Mancini thinking he could help you with his bat. He struggled with his bat. So you had a first base position for the second half of the season where you couldn't get any production out of it. But Yuli Gurriel was phenomenal in the postseason. Found the fountain of youth. Now he's a free agent as well. So for the Astros, obviously you want to bring back Verlander. You want to bring back another frontline starting pitcher. But I feel like a power-hitting outfielder and a power-hitting first baseman probably needs to be a priority as well for this team because they're looking to continue the dynasty and keep it moving. And now, especially with Dusty Baker back in the fold. Let's head out to the hotline for a man who loves being the first caller to this show, the Vice Chancellor of Erath, Martin. Martin, what you got, bud? What's on your mind? Good morning. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. With Dusty Baker coming back, the Mariners already through. Happy birthday to Miss Producer Extraordinaire. Happy birthday, Miss Fosnane. Happy thirty sixth birthday, even though you're not thirty six, but you know how things go. Thanks, uh, bud. You welcome. Um, I wanted to kinda touch on that subject you were you were uh talking about just now. Yeah. I mean if they can get the Astros can get Verlander back. That'd be awesome. But uh, one name that I was thinking that maybe the Astros can go after is because uh, I think he's going to the to the free agent market is uh, Anthony Rizzo. Maybe 
You know, I know he made a mistake and signed with the Yankees last last season, but I mean, we all make mistakes, you know. I mean, as learning as long as he learns from it, I mean, we can wel- welcome him on board. But uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully they can win another one for Dusty Baker next season. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. Thanks for taking my call, man. Appreciate it, bud. Enjoy your day. Now, I'd like to point out that you allowed Martin on the air. I had no control on that. You let Martin come on the air to not only sing you happy birthday, but then also gave you some, you know, gave you a bit of some flack about, you know, now that the Mar- now that the Astros have brought back Dusty Baker, sorry, Mariners, you're not going to go anywhere. So... Oh, yeah. He told me that on the phone, though. I don't know why I brought it up the second time. He told me that on the phone, and I was like, they aren't doomed. And that's all I said back. And he already said it was my birthday, so I said thank you already. So That is phenomenal, by the way. Yes. Phenomenal. Our, our guy, our guy, Martin. God bless him. <laughs> Just God bless him. No, I, I do think it's going to be uh, – look, I think they're going to go after a starting pitcher even if – whether it's Verlander or not, I think they're going to add another arm. I just do. Uh, look, Framer Valdez is is the guy for them moving forward. We all know that. But they would like to keep JV around. I mean, he is coming off Tommy John surgery and winning a Cy Young and helping them win a World Series. So – if they can make it happen, but if they miss, don't forget, this is the same team that's had guys leave. Charlie Morton, Garrett Cole, Zach Grinke, and they always find a way. So as much as JV is meant to the Strohs, they will simply go out and find another frontline starting pitcher to add to the rotation. They may already have the guy. He was the rook this year, Hunter Brown. So but they will be aggressive. They will go get themselves a starting pitcher. I think they need a slugging first baseman. Hey, a guy that they've tried to get a couple times, Abreu from the White Sox. They tried to get him five years ago. They tried to get him at the trade deadline. It didn't happen. Could he be one of those big targets for them? I think they could. That leads us to our poll question of the day. What is the Astros' biggest offseason need? Is it a starting pitcher? Is it a power-hitting first baseman or is it a power-hitting outfielder? That's our poll question of the day. Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we'll head to the hardwood. NBA, New Orleans Pelicans got themselves a win last night. B.I. had himself a heck of a game. We'll tell you all about it. That's coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Do you need help with stocking stuffers this year? Because if you do, you need to come join our clubhouse, our rewards club. 
because we got a slew of great items in there that will help with gifts for this holiday season. Thanksgiving's going to be here in just a few weeks. Then it's Christmas. And if you don't have a leg up on shopping now, you're in trouble. We want to help you out. We got a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse in our rewards club. Mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection, just the way you like it. You demand them. They're there. They also got $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. A little bit more casual dining, but still a great time. You can find those in our rewards club. You can win those in our rewards club, but you got to sign up for the rewards club. I want to give them to you. Hannah wants to give them to you. But we can't unless you become a member. So go sign up today. It's simple and it's free. That way we can help you with your stocking stuffers this holiday season. New Orleans Pelicans. They got the job done. 115 to 111 win last night on the road against the Chicago Bulls. We got the starting lineup that we're going to have. Once again, they've all missed time. Herb Jones has missed time. B.I. has missed time. Had the starting five. Zion, B.I., Herb Jones, Valachunas, and McCullum on the floor. And it made a difference. You know, know, we focus so much on Zion because he's a freak of nature. And we've talked about C.J. McCullum and his leadership and what he brings to the table as the guard. Herb Jones' defense. But it's becoming pretty obvious to me that the guy who kind of stirs the drink, so to speak, that helps the Pelicans get to their, reach their potential, it's Brandon Ingram. He's soft-spoken. He's kind of under the radar. Even though he's become an all-star since being in New Orleans, you don't think of one of the best players in the league being B.I. You just don't. But he kind of is. And he's definitely the best scorer they have on the roster overall, the way his game is built. And when he's healthy, you know what he gives you? 33 minutes on the floor last night, 8 of 14 shooting, 5 of 6 from the free throw throw line, nearly had a double-double, 9 rebounds, 8 of them on the defensive side, and 22 points to lead the Pelicans. And the more reps they get on the floor together, the starting five, the more you're starting to see what this team's potential is. Now, in the NBA, you're only as good as your bench is as well. We know that. And when you look at the the bench of the Pelicans, all five guys that played last night, all five of them scored. All five. Now, they didn't have a guy in double figures, but everyone has scored at least two points, and three of the players scored seven or more. That's what you need. And they were able to win on the road despite having their best three-point shooter, Trey Murphy, struggle. He only had two points. 0 for 3 shooting. Off night, only played 20 minutes. Did not have a good night. Didn't matter because the Pelicans have quality depth. 
and that aids them because they can bring in Najee Marshall. They can bring in Devontae Graham. They can bring in Alvarado. They have guys. Now, I still don't think they have enough quality three-point shooting. I still think that's an issue for them. That's going to have to be addressed. Now, maybe one of these younger guys develops a three-point game and helps them because when Trey doesn't hit, they really don't have anyone there to hit threes for them. But this is a good team when healthy. I believe the West is kind of wide open. I think Memphis is going to be a contender because they got John Morant. Oh, he's so good. Phoenix will be there because they're well-coached. Golden State will figure it out. But it's still open for these Pelicans. And B.I. and Zion, the biggest key for me for the Pelicans' success this year, if you push aside health, B.I. and Zion playing on the floor at the same time. They didn't have any issues with that last night. If they can figure that out where both of those guys can play at an all-star level at the same time in the game. Because remember, B.I. became an all-star when Zion was out. And then Zion became an all-star when B.I. missed time. If they can figure that out, Boy, this team can go a long ways. Because McCollum understands his role. He can adjust his role from night to night. He doesn't have to be the primary scorer. He even doesn't have to hold the, you know, handle the ball that much. He can distribute and do everything else. When you need 20 points from C.J. McCollum, he'll give them for you. He'll give them to you, rather. But he has no problem setting up everybody else. Valachunas, you know what he's going to do. He's going to do the dirty work for you. He's going to be your double-double guy down low. Herb Jones, lockdown defender. So your starting five right there is really good. And you got guys that can play defense, can drive to the basket, coming off the bench. Still need some more three-point shooting. But I like how this team is made up. I just do. Once again, health is going to be the number one issue. Health is going to be the number one thing. We understand that. That's the case for every NBA team, just not the Pelicans. But you gotta like what you're seeing from the Pels when they all play. When they all play. That's the big thing for them. They haven't been able to do that. Can they start doing that? Look, if this team can be healthy, they can be a top three, top four seed in the West easy. Easy. Now, whether or not they can do that, that's the big question mark for this team because you just don't know because we haven't seen it yet we just haven't seen it yet we gotta take a timeout when we return here on rp3 and company we'll talk about the other franchise in new orleans and no it's not pickleball it's the national football league new orleans saints gonna be taken on the pittsburgh steelers this coming sunday can they get on track. Can they just get their act together? Something they haven't done for the majority of this season. We'll talk about it and we'll hear from some Saints players. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. 
There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your Alexa Google Home speaker helps you out around the house, almost like an assistant or a maid, doesn't it? It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But hey, did you know that it can also play the game? I am serious. Just ask your Alexa or your Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. That's right. Be smart. Play the game on your smart speakers. Poll question of the day. We asked you, what's the biggest need for the Astros this offseason? Dusty Baker, we find out yesterday they had the press conference. He's coming back to be the skipper for another year. And we know that the majority of the core is already locked up. Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker, Jeremy Pena. They're good to go. Majority of their bullpen, back. Majority of the starting pitching, back. Except they're working on a deal with Verlander. They have until 4 o'clock today to get a deal done. I'm being told that... The reason JV hasn't opted in for that final year of his contract, that he wants a long-term deal, three years, with probably a fourth-year option. So the Strohs are trying to make that happen. Because you already got Framer Valdez. You got Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers Jr., Hunter Brown, all the guys in the pen. It's filthy. Imagine bringing JV back with all that. Come on now. But they also have some other needs. If they can't get JV to come come back, you know they're going to be aggressive, just like they've done in years past. When they had Charlie Morton leave. When they had Garrett Cole leave. When they had Zach Grinke left. They always find a way to add another arm. They'll do so here as well if they can't get JV locked up. But they could also use a power-hitting first baseman, Yuli Gurriel, on the back end of his career. Probably is not going to come back. If he does, he'll be on a team-friendly deal. But you still need another guy. They thought Trey Mancini was going to be him. He ain't He ain't that guy. They let him go. They didn't pick up his option. So he's a free agent as well. And you could use another outfielder. Michael Brantley Jr. is going to be leaving in free agency. And if you get a power-hitting outfielder, guess what? Now you can just leave Alvarez as your DH. So what's the Astros' biggest offseason need? Right now, 50% of you say a power-hitting first baseman. 25% say a starting pitcher. 25% say a power-hitting outfielder. Ton on Twitter says, write in, a power-hitting consistent DH. I'm still hopeful that they'll re-sign Yuli, Brantley, and Vasquez. This man says he's hopeful they're going to re-sign three of those cats. I like that. I like that optimism, Ton. 
Trust me, you can't re-sign everyone. John Paul, Cajun Daddy says, JV priority number one, so starting pitcher is my answer. Remember this, no state income taxes make Texas a good home for pro athletes. Yes, it does. Salty Steve says, none of the above. They need two trees and advice from the Braves on how to enjoy a hammock season. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And Todd responds, I don't know, man. They still look for, for Meanwhile, Yankees could be losing a lot of big names. I, the Strohs will be fine. They're going to add some guys. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run for Abreu. They're going to – they have the money. They have the space. They're going to be aggressive. Even if they lose JV, I like Houston's chances just to simply reload. The Yankees are interesting to me because they make the decision to bring back Cashman. They make the decision to bring back Aaron Boone. Why? I don't know. And they got a lot of guys. Rizzo opts out. He's going to test free agency. Aaron Judge is going to be a free agent. You're going to have some turnover there with the Yankees, and I'm going to be interested to see how that goes down. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. I know, I know, it pains you for me to even broach the subject. Because they have looked mm, dreadful. They're going to be playing another really bad team, though. And a few weeks ago, when they played a really bad team in the Las Vegas Raiders, they won. Now they're going to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who combined Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, neither one have played very well as a quarterback. This is not your father's Steelers. It's not even your older brother's Pittsburgh Steelers team. This is a two and six ball club. Point differential this season has been 77. That is awful. They're not led by their defense. Their offense has no identity. They don't really have playmakers. Now, they're going to get TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year, great pass rusher he's going to come back optimistic about coming back for Sunday's game against the Saints and that will help the defense but th this is a Steelers team that went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Bengals in the opener and you're like oh, okay well maybe they'll be pretty good and then it's a loss to the Patriots a loss to the Browns a loss to the Jets a loss to the Bills they beat the Buccaneers somehow because the Buccaneers are kind of trash but then a loss to the Dolphins and a loss to the Eagles. Now, they've lost to some good teams. But they've looked awful doing it. They just, they're just not very good. They're just not. Najee Harris has not been running the football all that well. Their best wide receiver is Dante Johnson. Not necessarily a ton of world beaters in Pittsburgh. But it's on the road... And remember this, Saints fan. Hate to be this guy. Which NFL franchise in the last 10 to 15 years has a reputation for struggling against rookie quarterbacks? Anyone want to take a guess? The New Orleans Saints. Yes, Hannah. Happy birthday. And you knew the answer to the question. They make rookie quarterbacks look like all pros. 
over and over and over and over again. And they did this even during their run with Drew Brees where they're making it to the playoffs and winning 12 games, 13 games a year. Look on their schedule. Hey, how'd they get a loss? Oh, did they play a rookie quarterback? Yep. They just struggle. And guess who's led by a rookie quarterback? Sunday's opponent, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I expect an atrocious game. This is going to be the game that you're going to tune in for and you're going to be sitting there hating yourself going, why did I bother spending time watching this dreadful product? It's not going to be pretty. It's just not. Now, Andy Dalton spent the majority of his career playing in this division. We see how well that worked out against Baltimore. But conditions being what they will be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in November may actually help the Saints here because Dalton's not good. It's not going to be foreign to Andy. Spent the majority of his career in Cincinnati, also played in Chicago, so he knows what it's like to play in chilly conditions in cold weather outside on natural grass, not the turf that's apparently shredding everyone's ACL these days. But Andy's got to play better. Like, I understand that there's a cap on what Andy Dalton can bring to the table. I get that. He doesn't have a very high ceiling. You know what you're going to get. You just need Andy Dalton to make better decisions. You need Andy Dalton not to turn over the football. That's what you need to do. And he needs to do a better job of two things. Dealing with pressure and dealing with batted passes. And if you go back to Sunday... The loss to the Ravens, there was multiple batted passes in that game. Why is that happening? Was it because Baltimore just got a good pass rush? Or was it because he just threw the ball? You know, it's not getting enough lift on the pass. Or the offensive lineman's not holding his block. This is what Andy Dalton had to say about the slew of batted passes Sunday against the Ravens. I've played Baltimore a lot, and that's always been part of their their thing. If they're not getting to the quarterback, they get their hands up and I mean, there's some big guys in their their front that have long arms, and, you know, it's unfortunate that it happens. So maybe it was just a Baltimore thing. That's what Dalton's alluding to because he's alluding that he had that same issue when he played for Cincinnati, that Baltimore's always had guys that have the long reach and everything like that. But you can't go into Pittsburgh and having your ball batted down at the line all the time. Okay, you, you just can't you got to be able to at least get the playoff. Just get it off. Give your guys an actual opportunity to catch said football. That's all. And you do wonder, because Pittsburgh is known for its defense, not really this year, but it's known for its defense, but you may get T.J. Watt back, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Is there going to be something that Pittsburgh saw on the tape from the Baltimore game for the Saints that suggests, hey, we can do the same. We can have those same packages. We can dial those up to frustrate the offense. And Dalton talked about the difficulty of what Baltimore was doing with their defensive packages on Sunday. At the end of the day, we got we got beat today. They deserve to win this one. Um, 
you know, they had a good plan going in. And, you know, for us, we've got to find ways to, you know, hold up in protection. I've got to find ways to get the ball out of my hands. Guys got to get open on time and everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, today, they, they got after us. You heard him? Got to get the ball out of my hand. So even if pressure's coming, you still got to do your job and get the ball out of your hand and try to put it in your playmaker's hands. That's offensively what you're needing to see from the Saints come Sunday in Pittsburgh. The other thing that I'm looking for, defense was absolutely atrocious against Baltimore. Do the Steelers have a dynamic quarterback like Lamar Jackson on their roster? No. They got Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky. No, no, no. That said, that said, a key to Sunday's game was the fact of all the third downs. Saints couldn't get Baltimore off the field. Couldn't do it. Struggled. Forced third and four, third and five, gave up the first down. And Tyron Matthew, who, let's be honest, has been an absolute bust for the Saints this season as a free agent signee, talked about the Saints struggling with the Ravens' third down conversion. Yeah, I mean, you know, coming into the game, we felt like, you know, if we were able to kind of get them in third and six or longer, then it would kind of work out into our, you know, favor. Um, you know, I felt like early on in the game, we just didn't play tight enough in coverage. Um, then a couple of those third downs, um, you know, we just couldn't get lined up. You know what I mean? So I kind of just gave them, you know, a first down. Uh, so you know, I think anytime you let those guys extend drives, um, they usually end up with some kind of points. Thought if they put them in third and six situations, they could get them off the field, and they didn't. But once again, you're not facing a playmaker the caliber of Lamar Jackson on Sunday, but it's on the road against a team that is just as desperate as they are, maybe even more so. Can the Saints get their act together on the road Sunday against a bad Pittsburgh Steelers team? Or will they struggle against another rookie quarterback? You know, I've talked to some Saints fans. They just wish the team would lose on Sunday so they'll go ahead and just put them out their misery. That way they can just go ahead and just shut off and be like, you know what, this season's done. But I told them, I says, no, that's not what the Saints are going to do. The Saints are going to tease you. They're going to win just enough games to, to lurk, to try to be there, to win the division title, and they're going to be a game out. And then you know what's going to happen? They're going to lose in the final week of the season and going to string you along the whole season only to not win the division and make the playoffs because that's what it feels like this team's going to do. You know what I got to do right now? Huh. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number one here on RP3 and Company. Birthday girl. Could we possibly get some more happy birthday calls? Game hotline's open, guys. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
Oh, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com. That's lachristmaschannel.com. Or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. Or you can simply listen on your Amazon Alexa. That's the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Poll question of the day. What's the biggest priority, off-season priority, rather, for the Houston Astros? Right now, 47% of you say a power-hitting first baseman. 27% say a power-hitting outfielder. And 26% of you say a starting pitcher. Now, you won't need that if you're able to re-sign JV. Once again, deadline to get that deal done is 4 p.m. today because that's when free agency officially starts, and it is going to be bananas. Lots of guys out there, DeGrom, Turner, Rizzo now, Judge, lots of free agents out there on the market. Lots of teams are just going to be throwing stupid money around starting at 4 o'clock this afternoon. That's going to do it for hour number one. Not to worry. We still got two more hours for you. Don't fret. Still great stuff coming up, including Lee Sterling joining us in about 35 minutes from right now from Paramount Sports. We're going to talk all about the weekend slate of games. Your best sports bets could be courtesy of our guy, Lee. That's coming up next hour. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls. Hotline's always open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Dusty Baker's back for the Astros as expected. They made it official yesterday. Will James Click be joining him as the GM of the Astros for another year? That remains to be seen. Can they get Justin Verlander back in the fold? Jim Crane told us yesterday, the owner of the Astros, that they're working on that deal. Once again, JV could opt in for, I think, $24 million for next season but apparently he wants a three or four year deal one of those probably a three-year deal with a fourth year option I wouldn't be surprised even if it's a four-year deal with a fifth year option but it all reports are the Astros are trying to make that happen don't want JV to leave H-Town we'll see what happens but even though they won the World Series there's always ways to improve and you know the Astros like to be aggressive they just don't sit on their hands so what are they going to do? You know, Yuli Gurriel is a free agent. Do you try to bring him back? 
He was awful during the regular season. His glove work was good, but he, he won the batting title the year before. This year, he couldn't hit anything. Couldn't hit a wiffle ball. Until the postseason, all of a sudden, he was one of your best hitters. Do you bring him back, a veteran guy? Maybe on a team-friendly deal if you can. But even if you do bring Yuli back, you need some help at first base. Trey Mancini was not the answer. There's a reason why they didn't pick up his option. They're moving on. So they need a first baseman. In particular, a power-hitting first baseman would be ideal. Add another bat to that lineup. Michael Brantley Jr., who got injured and missed most of the season, he's a free agent. Without him in the lineup, it hurt. You could use a power-hitting outfielder. Got a man left field for you. You don't want to put Alvarez out there. That's what they did to kind of piece it together, but you don't want that. You want the big fella just to do what he does really well, and that's jack home runs. Let him be the DH and let him just do that. Don't need the big fella out there running into the wall. No, 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 no. That's not what you do. You got a variation of Big Poppy. You just have him play DH, okay? That's all you need him to do. So getting a power-hitting left fielder, power-hitting first baseman would help. And I think they're going to be aggressive. I I didn't think this two months ago, but now I do. I think they're going to get Verlander on a long-term deal. They have the money. They have the space to do so. I believe the Astros are going to make that deal happen. I didn't think that two months ago. But now I do. While the Astros look to lock up JV before the deadline at 4 o'clock today because that's when free agency opens for Major League Baseball. Big names out there, Rizzo, Judge, Turner, DeGrom. There's going to be stupid money spent, like always, for Major League Baseball free agency. While that's going on, the New Orleans Pelicans last night got themselves a win on the road at Chicago. All five starters scored in double figures. All five guys that came off the bench contributed, at least scored two points. Three of them scored seven or more. And this is their starting lineup that they want to have game in and game out. Herb Jones back in the lineup, lockdown defender. Zion healthy in the lineup. Valachunas, double-double. C.J. McCollum, understanding his role as the leader of the floor. But that's B.I., man. 22 points. He led the Pelicans last night in that victory on the road at Chicago. When B.I. is right, this team's right. Zion may have more raw potential. Zion may be a better athlete. He may be more electric. All those things can be accurate. I think B.I. is the better player overall. And when he's right, they're right. And that takes all the pressure off of Zion as well. And, of course, the New Orleans Saints took the day off yesterday, by the way. Took the day off. Dennis Allen's like, you know, guys, you earned it. You've been playing so hard for me. You've been executing our game plan so well. Here's a day off. He's like the substitute teacher. That's what he is. 
He's like the substitute teacher that kind of just doesn't care. And it's like, guys, you know, yeah, you've been yelling, you've been throwing spitballs, you've been taking a pocket knife and cutting into the desk. You've been doing all this disruptive stuff. Hey, I went to public school in a different era where things were done differently. Sorry, five names, birthday girl. I mean, we were going in with our actual teacher taking pencils, and we would all like take turns going to sharpen them. And we had a corner in the classroom, and we would like throw them up to get them stuck into the the ceiling and see how many would get up there before she noticed. We had to like twenty five one day. Such a rebel. But we weren't using pocket knives cutting into desks. I remember a time where you could take a pocket knife to school. Yeah, we, those no, days, no. those days are no long longer gone. exist. Long, long gone. Yeah. <laughs> long gone. Those, uh, that's an error that's... Got all this disruption. Kids aren't listening. You're up there teaching them. You're like, hey, kid, just put your name on the assignment and you'll get 10 points. Just put your name on the worksheet and you'll get 10 points, and the students aren't doing it in class. So the teacher then decides, hey, you know what? Let's go have an extra recess. That's what this feels like with Dennis Allen. They're not listening to him, so he rewards them with a day off. Put it on your bingo card. Woof. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. He is. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with DA. It's just like, what are you doing? Shouldn't you be using another day to look at film? Shouldn't you be using that time to figure out, hey, guys, here's a video tutorial on how to tackle properly. No, no. DA is like, everyone just needs a day off, man. Guys, I understand what you're going through. Let's just take a day off. Rest up your mind, body, and soul. I don't know what he I don't know what he says. <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing to say. This next man, though, has plenty to say. To his students, he's known as Mr. Green. To his friends and family, he's known as Jamie. To others, He's Big J. It's Jamie Green. <laughs> I just made up that last part. Good morning, brother. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Third. I'm doing okay, other than the fact that you brought back flashbacks to me about some of the uh, incidents that I had to put up with my first year uh, at a local high school. Oh, dear Lord. Dennis Allen is the substitute teacher that rewards bad behavior. Man, even when I was a sub, I wasn't that bad. Those kids learned quick and fast in a hurry. I, I was hard, but I was I was fair. And uh, they weren't getting away with nothing. But anyway, uh, I got two things. First thing I need to do is this. <clears throat> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Miss Five Names. Happy birthday to you. And many more. Thank you for letting me do that. I got a Veterans Day program I got to sing for later. That was a good warm-up. Um... <laughs> I wanted to go in. I wanted to go in on the poll question of the day, and I wanted to kind of add to what Tan said, which is this: 
I'm not worried about power hitting if I'm the Astros. I want consistent hitting because they lived and died by the long ball this season. And poor Mr. Foot, I'm surprised he didn't have cardiac arrest or a stroke. I mean, can we just get some consistent hitting in Houston and, and, and get a couple of runs here and there just from, like, regular hits and not the long ball? That's fair. I still think you need a power hitting first baseman, though. Another, you've still got some pop in your bats with uh, your core that you're keeping. Well, I'm not denying that, but I, look, you, you can't have enough. Like, like you just can't, you just can't have enough of that. And uh, look, I, I think the problem for the Strohs was that you had too many solo shots. You got guys on the in the lineup. If they're right, they can be your base runners for you to set up the runs being brought in with the extra base hits. Altuve's built that way. Jeremy Pena's built that way, by the way. And we saw how he kind of flourished late in the season. I think they're going to be fine there. Bregman is the type of guy that can go. He can do both for you, right? He can get on base and be a base runner for you, but he can also hit the long ball. But if they have another guy, if they can get another Kyle Tucker type, that's that's money in the bank all day long. Yeah. That's fair. Because uh, remember, I do, I do have this remember question, Tucker was almost a 30-30 guy. Yeah. Don't forget that. That's true. I do have this question, and, and then I'll, uh, I'll hang up and listen. But, uh, you know, uh, Yankees have got a couple of free agents coming up, and I think isn't Aaron Judge one? So, uh, you know, maybe go after Aaron Judge as a power-hitting uh, outfielder? Ooh, would they be would the Astros be bold enough to do that? I don't think so. And would Judge do the KD move? Would he do the Kevin Durant move and go to the team that keeps eliminating him in the postseason and go play for them? It'd be, it'd be interesting and it'd be fun to watch. He's one of the <laughs> few Yankees that I don't actually hate. I just don't like that he's on the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. You guys brother. have a great day. Happy birthday, Miss Five Names. I hope it's a great one for you. And we'll uh, talk at you guys later. Thanks, bud. Shout out to Jamie. Shout out to Mr. Green. My mom is listening, so she texted me and said, don't forget to tell him thank you. <laughs> of course she does. Mamas always are going to mama. That never stops, by the way, <laughs> in case you were wondering. Because you were wondering, hey, RP3, you're older than me. You're very, you're a lot older than me. Is it ever going to get to a point where your mama's going to stop being a mama? And the answer you're looking for is no. Mm-mm. No. I'm now the annoying child that, like, now that I'm older, I call her so many times. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm the most important thing in your life. <laughs> You should be answering the phone with greatness and energy. By the way, not for sure who I love more, your mom or your grandma. Both were delightful when I met them at the game. Just uh, saying. I love them equally. But we did find out, actually, that my grandma did have candy in her purse because she gave my mom some candy that day. <laughs> of course she does. She's a grandma. Gotta have the candy in the purse. That's a good move. Oh, man. Hey, don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's about the Strohs. You heard Jamie mention it. What's their biggest offseason need? A starting pitcher, a power-hitting first baseman, or a power-hitting outfielder? 47% of you say a power-hitting first baseman. 27% say a power-hitting outfielder. And 26% say a starting pitcher. Martin says definitely more bats in the words of Kevin Foote. Got to hit the ball, cat. That's, a, that's something he says often. 
Look, and when I say power hitting, I mean, he doesn't have to hit 60 home runs. But get you another 30 a thirty and 30 guy? Ooh, watch out now. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, UL, they're at home. Must win scenario against Georgia Southern. That's coming up next. We'll preview that game for you right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you many times before, Chris and his team over at LMG, they provide more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free shower lines. Let me tell you, you're going to love this. No muss. No fuss. It's not going to take you forever to put it your shower together. And here's the other thing. After a couple of years, if you're not doing the maintenance right, the grout's going to start to give off an odor. You don't have to worry about that with the grout-free shower line now available at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Make sure to go visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their now-renovated showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot, Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Take the field tonight for the final time at home for this season. They wrap up the season on the road, back-to-back games. Florida State a week from Saturday in Tallahassee, and then they have to go to San Marcos the week after that for the regular season finale against Texas State. Right now they sit at four wins with three games to go. Due to the amount of teams that are going to be eligible for a bowl game, If the Cajuns get to six wins, they're going to a bowl game. That's a done deal. There's not enough teams around this season for the amount of bowl games there are. So the Cajuns will get to a bowl game if they simply get to six wins. Go six and six, they're going bowling. And we've seen places like Brett McMurphy with the Action Network and Stadium say he believes – projects that they would go to the Independence Bowl. Something regionally, something close by up in Shreveport. But they can't even get to that point without winning tonight. Tonight's a must win because the likelihood of them going on the road to take down a top 25 opponent 
in Florida State this year, not likely. Which means they have to win the finale at Texas State. That gets them to five, which means tonight against Georgia Southern is a must win. And it's going to be a challenge. Not only are the Cajuns coming off back-to-back losses, they're coming off a game that they should have won. They let the Troy game slip through their fingers. Up 17 to nothing in the second half, they lose. Defense got tired. Offense couldn't pick up first downs. They couldn't make field goals. And they end up losing a game they should have won on senior night. And they don't have time to really deal with it because it's a quick turnaround because they played on Saturday and then they got to play tonight. It's going to be a mental challenge and a physical challenge. They're going to be nicked up. Guys are nicked up at this point in the season. Can they be healthy enough to go out there and play tonight? That's one. And two, mentally, can they flush what happened against Troy behind them and get focused on taking down Georgia Southern? And it's going to be a challenge, and this is why. The Sunbelt Conference's number one rated offense comes to town. No team scores more points on average than Georgia Southern. 36.2 per game. 36.2 per game. They've scored the second most touchdowns of any team in the conference with 41 touchdowns. This is a prolific offense. Now, For the Cajuns, well, the Cajuns are only giving up 21.7 points per game. They have the fourth best defense overall in the conference. And what also helps the Raging Cajuns here, as great as Georgia Southern's offense is, their defense is next to last in the conference. Only one team gives up more points per game than Georgia Southern does. They give up 31.2 per game. So they score a lot of points, but they give up a lot of points as well. Cajuns are at home. They're desperate. Everything is on the line for them. They know they need to get a win. But can they? Can they take advantage of what is in front of them? Georgia Southern's going to try to chuck the ball all, 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 all over them. It's what they like to do. It's what they're really good at. Number one passing offense in the conference. 331.3 yards a game is what they average. It's what they average. They're completing 61.4% of their passes as well. Cajuns, not so much. They're ranked 10th in the conference in passing. But, once again, very good defense versus a great offense. But the flip side of that is that Georgia Southern's defense isn't very good. Isn't good at all. Can the Cajuns take advantage? Can the Cajuns' offense do enough? Because the defense is going to get scored on. As good as the Cajuns' defense is, they're going to get scored on. The whole key to tonight's ball game is can the Cajuns' offense, led by Woolridge, can they figure out a way to score enough points? 
Defense is probably going to give up 21, 24 points in this ballgame. Because the offense is just that good. Can the Cajuns' offense match them? And that's the big question mark for me. It's the final home game. You're desperate. You got to get a win to even give yourself a chance to get bowl eligible. It's still there for you, despite disappointing losses against ULM, despite letting the game against Troy get away from you, a game that you should have won. Everything is still right there for them to have a good season to get to a bowl game. But they got to seize the opportunity. It's now or never for them. They don't do it tonight, forget it. Season's a wash, it's done. It's done. Defense is going to try to do its part. It's going to give up points, so the offense is going to have to rise to the occasion. They're facing the second-worst defense in the league. Opportunities will be there, but can the Cajuns' offense get out of its own way? We'll find out tonight at Cajun Field. we got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, We'll look ahead to the weekend slate of games, including even tonight's game, with our guy Lee Sterling, our sports betting expert from Paramount Sports. He'll join us next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, what a weekend it was in college football. Had two great marquee matchups. One was an instant classic, Alabama-LSU. The other one was a bit of a curb-stomping, Georgia-Tennessee. But still, a great week of action last weekend. And you know what? If you listen to this show every Thursday when Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports comes on, You know how to put a little extra money in your back pocket. His team at Paramount Sports, well, you know what? They went 7-0-2 in all other games last weekend. They've won 11 of their last 13 weeks since the preseason. And he joins us now. Lee, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Good weekend, bud. I can't can't complain at all. (laughs) Another winning week, so that's what it's all about. Uh, a lot of happy customers and clients, so happy about that. And, I mean, just some great games. I mean, down in the bayou, I mean, that LSU-Alabama game was incredible. So uh, that's that's what makes college football so amazing. It does. You're absolutely right, brother. And let's, let's get right to it because we got a yep. game tonight right down the road from our studios. And that, of course, is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're taking on Georgia Southern. It's desperation time for the Cajuns because they let one get away from them against Troy last Saturday. They still can go to a bowl game because not enough teams are available for bowl games. So if the Cajuns get to six wins, they're going bowling. Mm -hmm. We've been told that. 
but they got to get to six wins, right? So, and they got to, that starts tonight against Georgia Southern. Clay Hilton's done a nice job there offensively. They're the best passing offense in the Sun Belt Conference, the best overall offense in the conference, but they have the second worst defense as well. Point spread is actually three in favor of the Cajuns. How do you like that point spread? Well, I can't remember. Did you look at Have they ever blown uh, such a big lead? I, I, 17, I, 17 point lead? In the I can't second remember. half. It can't, offhand. Oh, I can't, I can't remember offhand either. It was amazing yeah, to me. We're going to have to that, look that up. But, yeah. um, and it wasn't like you blew it to this you know, juggernaut of an offense like they're going to face here. It was deflating loss here. So um, only have four days. Uh, to get back here and, and get ready for a different type of offense here. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm just – I'm watching this team, and I don't see the development uh, in players. You had a bunch of players last year and uh, who I thought were going to take it to the next level. Hasn't happened. Special teams have not been special. And that's where they usually win close games, doing – the little things and the penalties. I mean, it, every week it's something different that costs them a win when they lose. So um, I think they're up against a different type of offense and an offense I think is going to give them trouble. I like Georgia Southern here, 30-27. to 27. So you like you, you think the point spread should be flipped the other way? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Let's go on to the weekend slate for the SEC. It's not as good as it was this past weekend, but still some interesting matchups. I want to start with Alabama Ole Miss. When I look at this point spread, it kind of stuns me because, look, Alabama's getting the, the respect, and I understand that, but I feel like it's for years past and not for what's going on right now. They've lost back-to-back games. This is a, a back-to-back road games, rather. They are not good on the road. This is a team that still struggles with penalties. They had nine of them on Saturday against LSU. They're undisciplined. They're not focused. These are hallmarks of a Nick Saban coach team, and they're not there. And I know they're coming off a tough loss to LSU, but the fact they're getting 12 points against a pretty good Ole Miss team is a little surprising to me. So, (laughs) some things, other things factor into this game, and – uh, I've been going against Alabama, and it's been just so sweet for me because I knew that they were not the same team early in the season. But let's look at what they've done against Ole Miss's defenses the last six years. They've scored 48, 66, 62, 59, 63, and 42 points in winning all six games. Lane Kiffin, um, seems doesn't want Jackson Dart to run as much. I think he's got to do anything possible to try to win this game. Remember also, there's been a couple games that he's been in the game and he started fake, going for fakes on fourth down. He's trying to win the game. He's not trying to cover. So if they're behind by 7, 10, 12, 14 points, uh, can blow up in his face, and it has uh, over the last couple of years here. Um, Alabama's losses, two losses by a total of four points uh, to basically top five opponents both on the road. Ole Miss has played one ranked opponent, and they lost by 25 points. I like Alabama. I like them big here. I think they win this game here, 42 to 20. Oh, I, you, what you're telling me makes sense. Don't get me wrongly. Yeah. What you're telling me makes yeah. sense, but 
you've seen Alabama struggle against Texas. We've seen yeah. Alabama struggle against an awful Texas A&M team. We've seen them struggle against Arkansas. I just – I don't know if mentally their head is in the right place. What you're telling me makes sense. It only can happen. Well, I think we're going to know quick. I mean, this isn't, this isn't like uh, – I think we'll know by mid, mid-second mid quarter. So, uh, you know, some this might be the game you sit out the first half and – if you feel the other way, then you bet it's second half. If Ooh. if if Alabama doesn't come to play, uh, second half, you know they could end up being uh, could be a good play here going with Ole Miss. Yeah, and them having two losses and now out of the playoff hunt in reality, I also yeah. wonder, you know, how much motivation are they really going to have? And I've, I've I've questioned their motivation and their focus already. Now yeah. that they're not going to be in the playoff and they're not in the driver's seat to even win the West, I do wonder what kind of effort you're going to see moving forward. Let's go to a team that I don't think you have to worry about effort, and that's Georgia. They had the lull against Kent State and Missouri there in the middle part of the season, but they've kind of refocused themselves. They crushed Tennessee, just absolutely took them to the woodshed. They're a 16-point favorite against Mississippi State, a Bulldogs team that had their head coach fold up all the chairs on the sideline last week, Lee, yeah. because he was so disappointed with how his team performed. Mississippi State looks to be a bit of a mess. This I, I actually like this betting line. I think Georgia may even cover that. What do you think? You know what? Um, we're, we're thinking differently here. Ooh. <laughs> um, they had a great game plan, and I was on the dogs last week and thought that they were going to come after Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker early and never gave up. I mean, they wanted to. They could have opened it up, and that should have been probably a four or five touchdown win. They dominated Tennessee. But this is a different type of offense they face. The quarterback's going to get rid of the ball quickly. They use the pass basically how most teams use the run here. And the Georgia's only game against Mike Leach's team in his first season, um, and that was when the air raid was just not, not very efficient uh, they, Georgia only won thirty to twenty-four here. I think it's a bag, but I, I think Georgia is four touchdowns better than than Mississippi State. But it's a, sometimes these games are about matchups here. I think Georgia wins this game here, thirty to twenty-four. Ooh, closer yep. than expected. I like that. Yep. Yep. All right, bud. Let's get to a, a betting line that I'm curious to get your thoughts on because. Yep. The Tigers coming off a thrilling win. Brian Kelly says, you know what? Screw it. We're going for it. And it, they pulled it off and they win, taking down Alabama in overtime. Yep. Now they travel up to Arkansas, a team that's struggling, a team that has their starting quarterback hobbled, and yep. uh, they're a little desperate. The conditions in Fayetteville are not going to be great. It's going to be cold on Saturday. It's an 11 a.m. kick, which is kind of awful as well. LSU, though, is only a three-point dog despite uh, – a three-point favorite, uh, rather, despite being in the driver's seat to win the SEC West. What do you make of that betting line? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think that um, Sam Pittman has done a good job. I agree. He's still very – I think he's done a great job overall. It's tough to get high-level players to play for him. He coaches these kids up. But I'm looking at the defense, and his talent level at linebacker and defensive back is just not there. So I've seen him get beat uh, by teams running the football, teams passing the football, and I think LSU mixes up their offense here. So uh, also, seems like if you just look at 
the way things play out. Arkansas, they can't pull an upset. Week, year one, Sam Pittman, year two, and so far this year. So I just think LSU's on a roll. You keep riding a hot quarterback here. I'll take LSU, lay the three, 34-24. Let me ask you one more college question before we get to yep. your, your pro uh, yep. pick. The college football playoff, you know, it, it's it's interesting because the uh, we've never had the same teams that open up as the the first four teams in in the first initial rankings make it to the playoff. Yep. There has been yep. six teams ranked outside of the top six that have actually made it to the playoffs. When you look at this field right now as it stands, and LSU's put itself in a great position, they would obviously have to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. But when you look at these teams – who do you like? Who, If I wanted to put money on it right now to bet on a team to make the playoff that maybe is on the outside looking in, who, who should I go place money on? Um, you know, I don't look at, at the rankings that much because to me, as long as you're in the even if you went out, you're going to be there. So it's just not that important to me. And, and, and I look more at my power ratings. So uh, I do think that TCU deserved to be in the top four. I do think that they're going to lose. So, oh, you think but, you, you you think they're going to lose along the way? Yeah, I, okay. I don't know whether it's going to be this week, next week against Baylor. This week they play Texas. Next week Baylor, or in the Big Twelve championship game. Nice offense, great story. I love their quarterback Dugan, but um, I think they're going to lose. So, you know, LSU and who is it? I mean Tennessee. Who Tennessee's sitting at five? I'm guessing right. Tennessee's five, Oregon six. Yep. And seven is LSU. Those teams went out. They're probably going to be there. So, yeah. um, Michigan, Ohio State loser is going to be out. I think TCU is going to be out. So, just keep winning. Everything will take care of itself. The only team that you know they would need, they're going to need more help than others, is obviously LSU. But with a win against Georgia, I think they're going to be tough to keep out. All right, bud. Let's go to yep. the NFL. The, the the Saints are just ooh, just woof. Like I just yep. they they just play so poorly and they look so good against the Raiders and then they turn around and they have such a stinker, missing tackles, turnovers, not being in the right position, a bad play calling, not getting Taysom Hill the ball enough. It's just a train wreck. And yet they still have a chance to get into this division race because they're only a game behind because the NFC South is hot, wet garbage. So they go on the road though to take on the Steelers. And and the interesting thing about the Saints as well, in the last 10 years or so, they always struggle facing a rookie quarterback. A rookie quarterback usually has his best game, for whatever reason, against the Saints. They'll be facing one Sunday with Kenny Pickett, but the Steelers aren't very good either. Saints are actually a three-point favorite on the road. What do you think of that? So a, a couple things bother me here with New Orleans. I think Jameis Winston is the better quarterback. There's, they say he's healthy, he's practicing, so I, I don't get it. It gives him the best chance to win. So just my opinion, and most astute people that watch the NFL, I think, feel the same way. So that's a problem. How about the scheduling dynamic? So they play on a, uh, a Monday night. they got to turn around, and they got to go on the road and face a team that's coming off the bye. I think it's really going to help Kenny Pickett a lot, the bye week to study up and prepare for a team. I think you're going to probably see his best effort. Um, 
and then T.J. Watt could be in the lineup for the first time since opening week. How about this? Mike Tomlin, 18-9 and against the spread as an underdog since 2019. Put him as a small favorite, doesn't perform. As an underdog, I don't know what they do in practice. I don't know how he approaches it, but he seems to get his team to play at a high level, and Marshawn Lattimore is out, and that's going to hurt covering uh, Pittsburgh's top two receivers. Wrong team favorite, Pittsburgh outright 23-20. All right, bud. I'd be remiss not yeah. to ask you what your game of the week is. Game of the week this week is going to be Auburn and Texas A&M. Two teams sitting at 3-6. and six. Both need wins desperately. Uh, Texas A&M last week, a flu bug got them, missing multiple players, including their quarterback. Auburn, spirited game, just came up short. So you want to find out that winner? We'll give it to you for free. We are on a roll. Just call 800-400-9741. Again, the number, 800-400-9741. No one can match our record. 11 out of 13 winning weeks since the start of the preseason. We have not had a losing NFL Sunday. You want to hop on board? If you've never been with me before, this is your perfect week. How about this? You can get Saturday's game. You want to try out Saturday alone? Seven games, $77. As soon as you purchase it, instant download. You got all seven games. You don't have to call me back on Saturday morning. NFL, where we've not had a losing Sunday, five selections, $55. Everything's up and available. All our plays are documented on the website under recent results that we've given our clients over the last five years. I think we lost Lee. I'm here. Oh, there you are. You you, okay. you you went out. Just tell the folks where, where, where to get to go, bud. You, you broke it's up just a minute. The website is ParamountSports.com. Brother, appreciate your time. As always, enjoy your weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you next Thursday, bud. Sounds good. Take care. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll update that poll question of the day. What should the biggest offseason priority be for the Houston Astros? We'll share that with you next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Somebody's mama has began posting baby photos on the old timeline for The Game. <laughs> when you open up the door to celebrate the birthday, mamas and grandmas and memes are going to come out and start sharing photos. Photos you don't want to be shared. Now, some of my time being young, I was cute as heck. I don't know what happened now, but my mom did share one on the game's Facebook. Of course. And on did. her own post, there are 80 photos. Of course. <laughs> some of them like, what? What you doing? <laughs> Mama's proud. Mama's proud. Poll question of the day. We asked you, what is the Astros' biggest off-season need? Once again, they have until 4 o'clock today to get the Verlander deal done. I'm hearing that they want to get that done, and JV wants to stay in Houston. They want to make it like a long-term deal, three-year with a fourth-year option, maybe in a four-year deal with a fifth-year option. They're going to try to get that deal done before 4 o'clock because 4 o'clock is the start of free agency. ton of big names out there multiple positions, star pitchers, the whole nine yards. So we asked you, what is the Astros' biggest offseason need? 52% of you say a power-hitting first baseman. 24% a piece for a starting pitcher and for a power-hitting outfielder. JPK, the OD, says on Twitter, who cares? Aaron Judge to the Mariners. Game on. J-Rod has a jersey picked out for him. Hashtag Mariners coming for you, Strohs. 
The man is enthusiastic about his Mariners. Ralph says, might be a new GM if the rumors are true. By the way, don't buy a mattress in Houston next year because it ain't going to be free, free, free. Can't win a World Series in a hammock season. See Footlish Dictionary. (laughs) That's very true. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we make sure to share them with you in the final hour of today's show. Coming up in that final hour, it's jam-packed. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will join us to talk about college football. Gary Goff, the McNeese head football coach, is going to swing by as well and will kick things off with Les East. Talking Saints, talking Pelicans with our guy from CrescentCitySports.com. That's all coming up next hour here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Half an hour from right now, Bill Bender from the Sporting News will be joining us to talk all things college football. And in about 20 minutes from right now, in the final hour of this edition of RP3 and Company, Gary Goff, McNeese head football coach, will be joining us for his weekly sit-down. But right now, we're going to kick off the final hour as it is 8.03 here on this lovely November 10th morning with our friend from CrescentCitySports.com. He covers the New Orleans Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints and so much more. Les East joins us now. Les, good morning to you, bud. How are you? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, Let's go ahead and get this out of the way, the elephant in the room. Uh, Apparently you have some sort of beef with me forcing Hannah Five Names working on her birthday. Is this correct? Well, yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of like uh, slave driver quality. I have the producer extraordinaire working on her birthday and, and apparently uh, with a very full plate. This is true. This is true. This is true. This is how I roll. It's how I roll. I mean, I work, you know, I, you know I, I've worked every one of my birthdays since 14, since I was 14. So I don't, I don't understand taking the birthday off, nor do I understand week-long birthday celebrations which is now a thing less did you know this did well, you, you don't know pe- like your birthday though i have no problem with my birthday it's just i got work to do <laughs> like, i just don't i just don't you know i got stuff to do i can't be taking time off can't be taking time off but less do you take the whole week off because that's a thing these days bud uh, no, I don't take the whole week off. I did not know that was a thing, but but certainly if I had an extraordinary producer, I would allow them to take a day off, if not the week. Ooh, you're right, bud. You're right. My bad. My bad. I'm going to try to be better, not only for you, but more importantly for Hannah. That's, that's what I'm going to pledge. There we go. <laughs> you made her day. All right, bud. <laughs> Let's talk about 
the New Orleans Saints because uh, what I witnessed against the Ravens was uh, dreadful, awful, pathetic. I'm running out of ways of describing the performance that I'm seeing from this team. Uh, just you look, you are a wordsmith. Can you put it into words? What is going on with the Saints team? Well, I don't know if I can exactly. I I do think it, it's a combination of things. I, you know, I I, I hate to, to oversimplify things because the easy thing to do is just say, well, it's all Dennis Allen's fault. And certainly you have to start with him when you analyze what's gone wrong with this team because that's the single biggest change from last season and from the, the, the last 16 years, really, is the fact that Sean Payton's gone and Dennis Allen has replaced him and things don't look the same. And so you have to start right there and say that, that that's a major issue there. But it, it's not that simple. Uh, they've... Last year they played four quarterbacks. This year they've played three. They've only started two, but they've played three. And uh, that's not by design. That's because of injury and uh, uncertainty about who's the right one going forward now that they have two healthy quarterbacks uh, uh, among the guys who have started. Uh, and a lot of other key injuries, you know, Mike Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, et cetera, uh, then the, there's been poor execution by the players. I don't know, you know, when a guy false starts or a guy lets the ball bounce off his hands, I, I don't know that you can say that that is Dennis Allen's fault, that that's Pete Carmichael's fault or anybody else's fault other than the player who made the mistake. Uh, you know, so th- there's a lot of bad stuff going on that, that the coaches and players have to share in, but it, it starts with Dennis Allen and then a, Sometimes when things start to go bad with a team, uh, it's hard to it's hard to make a U-turn. You know, they just it starts going downhill, and uh, and you don't get it stopped. And right now, it doesn't look look like they're going to get it stopped. Explain to me how using arguably one of your top three best playmakers on offense, Taysom Hill how he only has one pass, one rush, and one target in a ball game. I, I, I get defensively they, they they may force you to do things, but the whole objective is to get the ball in your playmaker's hands, and when they look their worst, they fail to do that miserably. I mean, it is amazing how bad they fail to get the ball in their playmaker's hands, and then they end up losing and losing in terrible fashion. I, I just don't understand that. Yeah, I think that uh, I think Pete Carmichael has struggled with figuring out exactly how to incorporate the Taysom Hill element into the offense, and it's not an easy thing to do to change quarterbacks in the middle of a possession, especially when the skill sets are different, and to have a guy who's a, technically a tight end. It lines up at wide receiver, can line up at running back, can line up as the quarterback. And so it's a very challenging thing to do that on the fly and change it based on down and distance and score and everything else. So it's not easy to do, but it is what they need to do to be successful, and they've been very successful when they've done it well. And so, and so I'm not excusing the fact that they haven't done it better. I'm just saying it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but they need to be better at it. 
They need to be more consistent at it. I think on Monday night, a big issue was the fact that they couldn't get the Ravens off the field. They Baltimore had the ball for almost 38 minutes uh, because they kept getting um, the Ravens kept getting ahead of schedule thanks to Lamar Jackson. They were always having third and one, third and two, and they were converting, and they had a whole bunch of seven and eight minute drives. And the Saints didn't get that many snaps, and most of them were with a, a two score deficit, and that that impacts the way you're going to call the game. But also the you know, the Ravens had absolutely no respect for their passing game. And they were putting, you know, five guys across the line of scrimmage, eight guys in the box, because they said, you know, we've seen Andy Dalton in Cincinnati for a decade, and he ain't beating us. And they were right. And I think the running game wasn't going to work because they were outnumbered at the line of scrimmage, and they couldn't do anything in the passing game to change that, whether it was Alvin Kamara or Taysom Hill or if it had been Jim Brown, I don't think it would have mattered. So uh, the running game wasn't going to work because they had no viable passing game, which gets to what I think is the biggest point right now. And I know Dennis Allen has said he's not going to do it this week, but uh, I wrote about this at CrescentCitySports.com, and they, they need to start Jameis Winston if they have any hope of improving this situation. We're talking with Les East. He covers the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans for CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Who's been a more of a disappointment this season? Is it Tyron Matthew or is it Marcus Davenport? Oh, well, that's uh, it's close to being a tie. But at this point, I would probably say Marcus Davenport because I think Tyron's playing better the last few weeks. He he got the, the tipped interception against the Raiders, but he's been tackling a lot better. He's been uh, around the ball a lot. Uh, on He started out on Monday night. They had him spying Lamar Jackson, and on the first couple of possessions, he, he did that role well uh, and, and stopped him a couple of times. Now, it, they didn't do as well with that element as the game wore on, but still... I would say that Tyron looks like he's getting better. Maybe he's getting more comfortable in the defense. Uh, but Marcus Davenport, you know, he played well against the Raiders and maybe one other game. But for the most part, he's, you know, you could put his, his picture on a milk carton. Are we going to see Michael Thomas line up for the Saints next season? Yes or no? Well, that's hard to say. I, if, if I were going to guess, I would probably say yes because uh, the cap hit for trading him would be so enormous and the compensation would be so small because he's, you know, he's home, he's going to be three years removed from his all-pro year because of injuries. So, uh, I mean, three years removed with about uh, nine games played in three seasons, I'm guessing. Ten games, I think it is. So um, I think they will explore that possibility. I think they would probably like to move on. But as a practical matter, I don't know that they're going to be able to. You gave him the contract, and it was well-deserved and well-earned. And that first year he produced, set an NFL record. But now it's been three years of not playing in terms of bad contracts in franchise history, how does this stack up? 
oh, I don't think you can you can put it on that list because the guy earned the money, like you said. They gave it to him. He blossomed even more than he had before the contract. I can't think of a better example of a guy being rewarded with a huge contract and then going out and proving how much he deserved it with his performance immediately after agreeing to the contract. And then he's had a couple of injuries. Now, the, the situation with the the foot surgery a couple of years ago was, was a complicating factor, and, and he bears some responsibility for that. But for the most part, you know, if, if you pay a guy what he's deserved and he's proven that he deserves it, and then he gets hurt. Well, that's bad luck. I don't, I don't think they did anything wrong with the contract, and I think he's to be commended for how he performed in the wake of getting the big contract until he was hurt. So even though it hinders them moving forward, I guess that's my thing. I, I think it was well-deserved. I had no problem him getting the contract, but it does kind of handicap them moving forward because we still don't know if he's ever going to come back and be even 80% of the player he once was, right? And they're still going to be on the hook for a massive amount of money towards him, and they haven't got any production out of him. So you're paying for something that you're not getting. So I guess in that terms, you still wouldn't consider it a, a bad contract from that perspective? No, it's not a bad contract. It's a problematic contract because of the injuries. There we go. But when the the contract was negotiated, that they neither side did anything wrong. They he got what he deserved, and they gave him what he deserved. So the, I don't have a problem with the contract. It just it's been unfortunate what's happened since then. It's a very good distinction by you, Les. That's why I asked you the questions because you're going to give me the straight answers, bud. All right, I got another one for you about this. Do the Saints have a medical staff issue going on with their organization? Because the Thomas stuff comes after a couple of years after the Delvin Bro stuff. This isn't the first time there's been issues of misdiagnosis, of not being treated, being uh, both sides not understanding what's going on. And this is just not a Michael Thomas thing, but it just amplifies everything. Do the Saints have a medical training staff issue on their hands? That's a, a good question, and I'm not sure I can give a, a, a clear and complete answer to that. You're, you're definitely right in that they have had uh, a series of issues over the years that make you question the medical staff. Now, they have also changed personnel within the medical staff over that time, so you don't have the same people making decisions now that were there when for instance, Delvin Bro happened and, and others that, that have happened in the past. Remember that they had all those abdominal injuries yep. for, for two or three years, and it, it would, they were some of the most uh, devastating injuries uh, when they weren't uh, expected to be so. So I don't know. Uh, you know, sometimes injuries are bad luck, and sometimes it's tricky and uh, – and you do misdiagnose something, and and it winds up being a major problem. I I don't have enough medical knowledge or enough intimate knowledge of these individual cases to determine that. But boy, there's a lot of smoke there that leads you to believe there's probably some sort of fire lurking in the background. One more about the Saints before I ask you about the Pelicans. Uh, 
brother. Uh, Dennis Allen decides to give his team a day off. Uh, what do you make of that decision for him to do that this week? Uh, it surprised me a little bit, but I, it might be a good idea. Um, you know, this is a team that's uh, struggling. The time off he gave them after the Thursday night game in Arizona helped refresh the team. They went out and played that really good game against the Raiders, thanks in part to the Raiders being awful. <laughs> um, I love that I disclaimer. Coming off the Monday night game with a short week to just stick them back out there on Wednesday could have been counterproductive. Now, they, the only thing I would be concerned about is the team they're playing, the Ravens are coming off uh, – I'm sorry, the Steelers are coming off a bye week and Mike Tomlin, I think, is 11-4 and four coming off a of bye week. So uh, the, I think the Steelers are going to be primed to do their absolute best under the circumstances, even though their best isn't very good. Um, so I, I'd be concerned about where the Steelers are at. But I kind of understand him giving them that day off uh, after a Monday night game. All right, bud, I want to ask you about the Pels. They went on the road last night, got a win, total team effort. All five starters and double figures. Brandon Ingram leads the way with 22 points, and they get five guys off the bench to also score. When they're healthy, this team appears to me to be a top three, top four seed in the West. You feel the same way? They can be. Uh, they, they have a ways to go to get to that point, but they have you know till April in order to do that. I, there have been instances, and I think this is partly because of the injuries – not so much that the game time that the injuries have cost them, but I think the practice time that it's cost them with everybody on hand has them a little bit uneven from time to time. Their their defense was not good in Indiana. They've not finished well in losing three overtime games. So there's still a work in progress, but you can see just how much there is to work with. And last night, when they got off to the bad start, the bench got them uh, jump-started there in the second quarter, and then Brandon Ingram just finished so strong. He was remarkable. Uh, so the depth is really, really good. Uh, I'm not totally sold on their defense at this point, but they have so much firepower, so much depth, and they're well-coached. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how the evolution goes, but certainly a top-four seed and home court in the first round of the playoffs is a realistic goal because they just have so many really good players. Les, appreciate your time as always. Brother, enjoy your weekend, my friend, and we'll talk to you next Thursday, bud. Thanks, Raymond. Happy birthday, Hannah. Hey, just a reminder, here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to remind you call 811. 
and know what's below before you dig. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Giddy Up with Gary Golf is coming up next. We'll talk with the McNeese football coach right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> We're roping in McNeese head football coach Gary Goff here on RP3 and Company to talk cowboy football. It's time for Giddy Up with Gary Goff. The McNeese Cowboys, they got to taste victory on Saturday inside the hole there at Cowboys Stadium. As they took down Eastern Illinois, it was a good game and one that helps them get on top of things. 29-15 was the final score, but the Cowboys like they've done for most of the season, had to deal with a little adversity. And they did that, and they still came out on top to talk about it and to look ahead to the return to conference action this Saturday at Houston Christian is the man in charge of the Cowboys program, Coach Gary Goff. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great. So let's just start there. How good did it feel to get a W? <laughs> it feels great. You know, uh, you know, anytime you can, uh, you know, get out of a football game with a win and then, uh, you know, have that celebration uh, moment with the, the players in the locker room is just a great experience. And uh, obviously we needed that, so it, it was great. And, uh, you know, I heard your opening comments about a different kind of adversity, and, uh, wow, you're right. We, we've had a lot of different types of adversity all season long, and very proud, very proud of how the guys uh, battled through it and uh, continue putting their – their best foot forward and, and not worrying about, you know, some of the things or challenges that we've had. Well, let's get right to it. You've had to make the move to Walker Wood because of injuries to your quarterback room. A young man who was a quarterback in the spring got moved to wide receiver, then moved back to quarterback, and then he gets injured in this ball game, and you have to turn to the young man, the freshman, Mr. Roberts, and he comes in and does a nice job. My question to you is, what did you tell him when he went into the game, when he had to take over and run this offense for you, what was the message to the young man? <laughs> yeah, the message was, "Hey, it's your turn. You're, you're the next man up." You know, but um, Ryan is—he's um, a very um, level-headed young man. You know, never gets too high, never gets too low. Uh, he's a coach's son. You know, his dad uh, coached in this conference for a long time, so he, he's grown up around football. And the nice thing about Ryan is he goes in there and he just manages the game and. If he's supposed to throw the ball here, that's where he throws it. If he's supposed to, you know, run the ball here, that's where he runs it. And you know, so I thought he did a great job um, under those circumstances because, look, you know, he, he took about twenty percent of the reps at practice all week. That, that's about all your your number two or three get in practice. So um, you know, I was very proud of him. He went in there and didn't try to win the game by himself, but he made some big, big plays. And uh, you know, I thought that a couple of the players, you know rose the occasion for him and that's in mason pierce and and deontay we keep talking about deontay and and rightfully so because he's special i keep running out of ways to how to describe him and what he can do for your program and what he does do for your program so i'm going to put the pressure on you to figure out a new way to describe what deontay mcmahon means to your team coach (laughs) well he definitely has been a workhorse that that's for sure um you know we we uh, typically always had a really good balance in our run game and passing game, and uh, this year, for you know the obvious reasons, you know we, we've uh, relied heavily on our run game. And uh, you know, Eastern Illinois was a team that really tried to load the box and, and take it away from us. And um, I thought our offensive line and, and then Deontay running the football did a phenomenal job making sure that didn't happen. Um, you know, the young man's had a had a great season. He's electric. 
He's a workhorse. And I've said this at the very beginning of the season that if everybody practiced the way that young man practices, then he, we, we would never lose a ball game or much less a yard because he just practices so hard all the time. But um, I'm excited for him just because he's had such a great season and hasn't – the young man never has a bad day. Um, and, and he's – you know he's forty something yards away from from uh, rushing for a thousand, and uh, that, that's that's a tremendous feat. Um, you know, especially you know in our conference. We're talking with McNeese head football coach Gary Goff. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Coach got the win. Now you got two wins on the season, but now you're looking to finish the season strong and get yourself your first conference win. What do you need to do Saturday on the road at Houston Christian to be able to make sure you get that? Well, we need to travel well. You know, uh, that, that's for sure. We, we need to travel well and understand it's a business trip, and our, our mission hadn't changed, you know. Um, and then, you know, you know, Houston Baptist has had a season much like ours, you know. Um, they're trying to win on a high note just like we are. But it, it, the recipe to winning a football game is not going to change, you know. I mean, we we got to protect the football while we're creating turnovers defensively. Uh, we've got to win the red zone battle, and then we've got to win third downs. And, um, you know, last week we did all those things. We even dominated the eight. And that's the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. So we, we, we got to do those same things right there, um, you know, and, and then continue improving. And that's what's been really exciting the last, you know, three weeks is, is um, you know, the guys are, are, you know, learning from mistakes, you know, previously in the season and, uh, you know, playing pretty good football. You know, we're just real, real thin. You know, we're, we're playing uh, two true freshmen in the secondary and, and two walk-ons. Um, you know, so it, it's just um, we, we've had to adopt that mentality. Next man up, and uh, don't worry about our, our adversity that we're facing right here. Let's just, you know, play the best to our ability one play at a time. When you look at the tape and you've started to scout, what stands out to you about what the Huskies do on offense, Coach? Well, they run a spread offense. You know, they like to throw the ball. Um, you know, they, they got a quarterback that's, that's a pretty good player. We, we recruited him at, at my previous school, so we know a little bit about the young man. Um, he, he's a big, tall quarterback that's got a good arm, and uh, they like to spread it around. You know, so they, they're going to tempo you. They're, they're going to be in four wides, five wides, um, and, and throw a lot of quick game and then try to get you to come up on that and then take a shot downfield. But um, they like to put the ball in the air quite a bit. And, um you know, they, they, they've done an okay job with that, you know, but um, you know, we, we got to keep everything in front of us and uh, and keep doing the same thing we've been doing the last three weeks. And we, we've come over with eight interceptions the last three weeks. Well, Coach, what do the Huskies bring to the table defensively that's going to present your team with maybe some challenges? Yeah, you know, they um, you know, they, they try to load the box a little bit. You know, their safeties are downhill players, you know, and, and I would imagine we've been pretty successful in our run game that, you know, they're, they're going to continue doing that, that they're, they're going to get their safeties very involved in the run game play them down um they do bring a lot of pressure on third down so we're gonna have to answer that but um you know they're they're a young group you know they're playing uh basically two juniors on defense and the rest of them are sophomore and freshmen so they're a very young group but i do think they're very athletic um and i think they're going to sell out to stop the run game and um you know so that's what we've been working on all week and uh, we're, we're gonna have to make sure that we connect the dots in the passing game to keep the chains moving last road trip of the year and it's been uh, at times a challenging year and one that has had moments where it's been filled with disappointment but at the same hand it's a foundation season we've talked a lot about that coach how are you feeling about the final road trip of the year well i'm excited about it you know and um i'm excited about it because it's the next game on our schedule right um you know our, our team you know they they have battled and battled and battled 
when they've had a lot of opportunities to kind of just roll over and, and, and say, hey, season's over. And they haven't done that. And that's, that's what I'm the most proudest of is these young men have been coming to the office every day with a good attitude and working hard. And, um, you know, we, we got to keep them there. You know, we got to keep them there. And uh, we're, we're definitely getting better, and we're going to continue getting better. There's no doubt in any of our minds about that. But, um, you know, we've, we've been tested this year, that's for sure. We, our character and uh, our, our foundation's definitely been tested. But, but that's okay. That, that's part of the, uh, the process. That's part of the growth that uh, the program's got to go through and, and learn from. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm disappointed that the season's coming to an end. Um, but I'm very excited to, you know, be out there with these guys, you know, this weekend, and, and I will be again the following week. It's just we're seeing, you know, the guys um, and the program, you know, having some of these these small victories on and off the field that that means something, and, and that's where you got to kind of get the ball ball rolling. So, well, coach, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you so much. Congrats on getting win number two of the season, and best of luck to you and your Cowboys over in Houston this Saturday, buddy. Thank you so much. You bet. Have a good one. Thank you. Tune in next Thursday for Giddy Up with Gary Goff here on RP3 and Company. You're feeling holly and jolly? Hey, I can understand why. LSU's winning, McNeese is winning. It makes a lot of sense. Well, hey, if you're feeling in the spirit, why not listen to all your favorite Christmas classics as well or your local Cajun Christmas songs, and you can do so on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at louisianachristmaschannel.com that's lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa device so listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel we got to take a time out when we return here on RP3 and Company Bill Bender from the Sporting News is scheduled to join us to talk all things college football that's coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football season is beginning to wind down. We've got about three weeks left here of the regular season. That'll be conference championship weekend. And then bowl season and the college football playoff will be here in no time. And to give us his insight on the season, what we saw last weekend, and how the college football playoff picture is coming into focus is the award-winning columnist and reporter, covering college football from the Sporting News, our good friend Bill Bender. Bill, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you making the time, bud. I want to start off with there's been so much focus on the SEC. Can they get two teams in? Can they get three teams in? But I want to talk about the Big Ten because Ohio State and Michigan sit right there, two and three, and I'm not – one to believe that the loser of the game in a few weeks is necessarily not going to make the playoffs. Uh, I know the winner will definitely punch their ticket to the conference championship game. And then if they win that they're in, but I don't necessarily believe the loser of Michigan, Ohio state's going to be out of the playoffs. What about you? I mean, not, they shouldn't be. I mean, obviously this is going to be a huge game in a few weeks. 
there's a good chance both will be 11 and 0. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the loser would have to go through the back door, but I mean, I know Tennessee could be in the way. I know a couple conference champions could be in the way, but I don't think the loser should be penalized because they're playing the game late in the season, essentially. So, yeah, I mean, it, if it's an instant classic like it was in 06 and 16, there'll be uh, certainly be talk about getting both teams in. They're both so close, and I know last weekend both the Buckeyes and the Wolverines had some issues. Ohio State had to play in a, a essentially what a 40-mile-per-hour windstorm against Northwestern, and Michigan kind of was sleepy for a while against Rutgers before they turned it on and, and kind of pulled away for an easy victory. Uh, what are the biggest strengths of these two teams as it stands right now? What are the, the weaknesses that may trip them up along the way, in your opinion, Bill? I mean, Ohio State's defense is better than it was last year by a lot. The higher of Jim Knowles has helped tremendously. Um, they still have C.J. Stroud and an arsenal of first-round talent on the offense. They've struggled running the ball a little bit the last few weeks. Um, they've had injuries all over the place, but uh, their offensive line will, will have to step up. And the interesting thing about it is Michigan kind of the other way. Uh, their offensive line is so good. The running game's dominant. The quarterback, there's a lot of people say he's untested. I'm not buying it. I mean, he's won in all these venues so far. Um, so I, I think you've got two super talented teams with two little bit different styles. One thing with Michigan, haven't trailed in the fourth quarter yet. So, I mean, people keep saying, well, J.J. McCarthy's going to have to win him a game. Well, the object of the game is to be leading in the fourth quarter. He's doing a pretty good job. Who do you think is going to come out and, and meet them in the Big Ten championship game, whether it's Ohio State or Michigan? Who do you think they're going to face? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that one I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, you could throw a dart right now, and it could be any of them. It, that division's a mess. I would still probably say Illinois or the Illinois-Purdue winner this week, but everybody from Wisconsin to Iowa still has a chance in that division, and that's – you know, I know you bring me on here for analysis, but this truly is the most uh, division in all of college football because I, I really don't know who's going to come out. I, I, like I said, Illinois would be my guess, but that's the same Illinois team that got run through by Michigan State last week and has to play Michigan next week. Let's go out west. Oregon was very much humbled in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game against Georgia. They got crushed. But ever since then... They have made huge strides. They've put themselves back in contention to not only win the Pac-12, but to be into the college football playoff. They sit there at six in the most recent rankings. Bo Nix has developed into a possible Heisman finalist. What's been going so right for the Ducks, and do you think they're a legit contender to make it into the college football playoffs? Certainly a contender, for sure. Um, and they're certainly a threat to Tennessee because I think the the committee's just looking at it as, oh, they lost by a lot to Georgia and Tennessee lost by a lot to Georgia. And maybe the score is a little bit different, but anybody that watched that Tennessee-Georgia game knows that that wasn't really close either. So, um, yeah, I think if, if Oregon wins out, they're a good bet to sneak in the playoff. They, 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 Michigan or Ohio State's going to lose one of them, and – uh, you know, TCU, if they lose, I think the Pac-12 champion will leap over ahead of them. So, very good comeback season by Oregon, and who knows, they might get another shot at Georgia. Who presents the biggest challenge in the Pac-12? Is it USC? 
USC and or I mean they've already played UCLA, but USC and Oregon both going eleven and one is the best case scenario for the conference. It, it that conference championship game in a huge light makes it uh, very exciting for both teams. And uh, like I said, the winner would be twelve and one at that point. Have a conference championship. USC's only loss is a one point loss on the road where Utah went for two at the end of the game. So. Yeah, both teams, and Caleb Williams is phenomenal. So they, they, both of those teams definitely have a shot. We're talking with Bill Bender, the award-winning columnist reporter covering college football from the Sporting News. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. I want to talk about TCU. Uh, Sonny's done a tremendous job there. Now they get ranked in the college football playoff rankings in number four, deservingly so. But of all the teams that are trying to fight to get into that thing, it seems like to me that TCU may have the toughest challenge based on the schedule. They have to go to Texas where college game day is going to be at Saturday. They still have to play Baylor on their schedule and then a Big 12 championship game. Uh, is TCU the team that has the biggest challenge in front of them of making the playoff? I think they're the most disrespected team. I mean, they've done everything. They can. Well, all they do is beat ranked teams every week. I think Max Duggan's done a fantastic job there we wrote about him today at sporting news and everything he's done for that program and um you know they're, they're undefeated and they're seven point dog against texas a team that he's beat twice in three years so yeah i mean everybody's kind of wanting them to lose if you're a contender ranging from oregon to tennessee to michigan and ohio state yeah you want tcu out of the way because the rest of the big 12 isn't very good but maybe they don't play along Maybe they don't play along this week or when they go to Baylor. And if they win all their games and they're undefeated, they'll be in the playoffs. And and rightfully so, because they have the resume that stacks up for them to, to be in the playoff. Let's go over to the ACC. Clemson has a huge misstep against Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that struggled early but is definitely improving as the season has progressed under first-year coach Marcus Freeman. That said – it doesn't appear like Clemson's going to be in the mix for the playoff. When you look from them uh, from afar, Bill, what Dabo has done, he's had a great run there, and they're, they're still always in the mix, and ranked in the top ten still, even after the loss. W- what ails the Tigers? Is it not having elite quarterback play? Is it as simple as that for them? Part of it, but they don't have elite receivers either. I mean, you, you go back to – their national championship teams, and you have, their, you know, that the last time they won it, they had Justin Ross and T. Higgins, and they don't have that. They have two receivers right now that the top two receivers have like 500 yards or 700 yards and four touchdowns. Higgins and Ross had over 2,000 yards and over 20 touchdowns. And yes, some of that's the quarterback pulling it, but yeah, they don't they don't have that kind of talent at that position, and it makes it a little bit more difficult. Their offense isn't as dynamic as it used to be, and Quite frankly, if they play North Carolina, I'm inclined to take the Tar Heels to win that game because their offense is a little bit better around Drake May. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. The, the, the wide receivers, like you said, we get so focused on the quarterback, but you're right, the wide receivers aren't nearly as good as they've been in years past. All right, let's talk about the SEC. Georgia absolutely mollywops. Tennessee makes a statement there. That's the best they've looked all year, with the exception of the opener against Oregon. On the other side of the ledger, LSU takes down Alabama in overtime on a two-point conversion. 
Can you just put in perspective the job Brian Kelly has done in year one for a team that he took over that only had 39 scholarship players? Amazing. I don't see Twitter dunking on him anymore. Nope. I now, because that's how social media works. Social media is the biggest bandwagon on the planet. Um, that he, I, and I was saying that all along. You know, he's, you may not like his personality. You may not like some of those cringy moments, but he can coach football. And he coached it well at Notre Dame, which, by the way, Notre Dame is way more high-pressure job than, than LSU is. And so he took this job to have moments like he did Saturday. It was a gutsy call. There's no doubt about that. And um, it's a huge win. It's a huge tone setter for him. I mean, they, I don't know. I think they're going to make a run to the SEC championship game and probably lose to Georgia. But nobody thought that was going to happen in year one. And uh, it's, it's been an incredible job. And I think it's only going to get better for him at LSU, despite the year-to-year. You know, it's a harder job than Notre Dame from the sense of the competition, but it's not a harder job from Notre Dame in terms of the expectations. That's a fair point. I'll get you out of here with this, bud. Saban's had a tremendous 15-year run at Alabama, and, you know, people want to write the obituary now because they've lost two games. <laughs> so, let's get, once yeah. again, it's the, it's the world we live in. But what stands out to you starting last year, and even though they reached the title game in this year, when you watch Alabama play, they're, they're undisciplined. They seem to lack focus, which is something that's surprising to me. When you watch Alabama, what stands out to you? What's kind of missing? Well, Raymond, that's the biggest thing. I mean, they're still, they still have this five-star roster and all this talent. It's two things. Kind of the same thing I told you about Clemson. The receivers are not... Williams and Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, which isn't fair, but, I mean, that's the truth. And then, two, these penalties. I mean, it's amazing to me that they rank 124th in the country in penalty yards. They had seven pass interference calls total in the losses to Tennessee and LSU. It's one after another. And those are the things that have to be driving Nick Saban the most crazy. You know, the headset throws kind of things. It's, it's amazing that they're that undisciplined and I think that's what sticks out the most bud appreciate your time as always I know you're busy thank you so much for your time and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks my friend enjoy your weekend hey sorry if I sound a little under the weather man it's been uh that flu's running through Ohio I tried to gut this one out thanks so much for having me appreciate it bud <laughs> that's Bill Bender coming off the bench sick for us still delivering the goods got to take a time out We'll wrap up today's show, get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, I want to take a moment to thank our guests for joining us on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, Les East from Crescent City Sports, Gary Golf, McNeese head football coach, and of course, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Poll question of the day. Well, what is the Astros' biggest offseason need? You guys voted 56% say a power-hitting first baseman, 25% say a power-hitting outfielder, 19% say a starting pitcher. The ones that say starting pitcher may be more accurate because news came out about 15 minutes ago that Justin Verlander has opted to enter free agency. So apparently the Strohs and their ace, the 
presumptive Cy Young Award winner could not come to terms on a long-term deal. It's not to say that they won't, but he's going to test the free agent waters, the 39-year-old World Series champion. So, Strohs may be in need of going out and getting another arm. We'll see what they'll do. I expect Jim Crane to be aggressive. I expect him to add another bat and add another pitcher. They have the money to do so. I think they have a chance here to repeat, to go back-to-back, and that's going to be their mindset. And if JV's here for it, great. If he's not, they're going to keep on moving. Don't forget, Grinky left, Morden left, Garrett Cole left, and they replaced him. This is what they do. If JV signs elsewhere, I know it'll be sad, but the organization knows what they're doing. The organization is well run. Trust the organization. Had someone ask earlier about TV rights and things of that nature. What happens with the SEC after this year for TV? They signed the big deal with ESPN and Disney. That'll go into place, $3 billion deal. That'll be in place for 2024. 2024, the SEC will be exclusively on the ESPN family of networks. That's going to do it for today's show. For the producer extraordinaire and the birthday girl, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. Up next, Kevin Foot and Footnotes. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.